0: Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. I don't need you. I am good on my own. I can make my own decisions, thank you very much. I do not need or want you to tell me what to do or how to do it, and I do not want to have to worry that what I do might impact you. I'm good. Rugged individualism. It is the American way. All right, let's be honest about it. We celebrate independence Nobody celebrates dependence because asking for help, needing someone else, that's a sign of weakness and we don't want that except for the fact that the Bible teaches something entirely different. The Bible says that we all depend on each other, that we all need each other that we all are part of helping each other to grow. Because the Bible teaches about community and not about individualism. The Bible teaches us about loving and being loved and serving and being served. So we're going to talk this morning about community. We're going to talk about life together. And I think the truth is that for a lot of us, our images of what community can be or should be have been heavily influenced by a box that sits in our living rooms, or bedrooms. Yeah, I show my age there, it's not a box anymore, it's this flat thing that we hang on our walls. But what comes through there has taught us a lot in what we think about community. Let's look at some sound bites, going back in time. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. Our culture has impacted the way that we think about community. Now, I love This Is Us, it is my weekly therapy. But you want to know one of the important lessons that This Is Us has taught me? There are some topics we don't talk about. There are some things that are just too painful and so we just don't go there. We just pretend like they don't exist. And if you go back, it's hard to believe it was 20 years ago, to friends, I'll be there for you because you're there for me too. And the number one lesson that taught us, it's okay to walk into each other's house at any time we want to. (laughs) So I'll be showing up this afternoon. And for those of us that are old enough to remember Cheers, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. What an incredible image of community that is, right? This sermon series is called Soundbites. We're looking at passages out of the book of Proverbs. This morning, I'm gonna look maybe a little bit more at some snapshots. And we're going to talk about life together and we're going to look at the way it is and we're going to compare that, those three snapshots, to the way that it could be as we talk about what biblical community might look like. Because I really think that there ought to be a higher picture of what good community is than chairs. So here's the first one. Here's the first snapshot of community. The way it is, looking out for number one. The way it could be honoring one another. Is it all about me? I'd like to think so. Or is it about us? Is, is my position the one that's most important? Or are you part of that too? Are my possessions solely and completely for me? Or did God give them that we might together mutually benefit from that? The way it is is looking out for number one, but the way it could be is to truly honor one another. Proverbs 17 verse 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Now, if we're honest, it's it's fairly easy to love people when they're being lovable and when there are people that we want to hang out with, right? But I have to say there have been times in my life where I did not feel worthy to be loved. And my Christian community came along and loved me. And if I'm even more honest, there are times in my life that I didn't deserve to be loved. Something I said, something I did, and yet my community came alongside honoring me and loving me, a friend loves at all times, a brother for adversity that we walk through people with difficult times. The scriptures teach over and over and over again, this concept of honoring each other, of, of sacrificing for one another. And no wonder we have the perfect role model for that. Philippians 2 tells us that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he lowered himself, taking on the nature of a servant for the sake of others. I want to tell you a story about a friend of mine who I really believe lived out that honoring one another. I was pastor in St. Louis for 16 years. And in that time, I was a member of a men's group, a men's small group, and we met for lunch every single Monday. No matter what, Monday lunch, we were together. We talked together. We laughed together. We cried together. We prayed together. We read God's word together. And we talked about applying that word to our lives. I want to tell you about a member of that group. His name is Rick and his wife, Sandy. Those are not their real names. Rick and Sandy really lived out that honoring one another. When I was organizing a trip to go build houses in Tijuana, Rick and Sandy came along and they said, we want to be part of that. We want to be part of that not only for building the houses, but what can we do to help the community of people that are going? When we started a new ministry and we needed a meal cooked every single week for that, Rick and Sandy came and they said, we'll do that. We'll, we'll provide that for you. And honored everyone by their, by their meal. And quite honestly, my side hurts today from all of the laughter at Rick and Sandy's Christmas parties. They were legendary. We had so much fun laughing. They were so good at honoring one another. And one day I got a call. And Rick and Sandy had been the victims of a horrendous crime. And I watched that community rally around them. I watched that community say, as you have honored us, now it's our turn to honor you. And they loved them, and they cared for them. And through all of that, every single Monday, Sitting with Rick and others, talking, praying, discussing. They lived out the way it could be, honoring others. The second snapshot to kill the wounded or to heal the wounded. There's a saying that says the church is the only army that kills its wounded, which is a very sad and tragic thing to say. Why is it that brokenness is something we're so afraid of? Why is it that brokenness is something we feel like, oh, we've got to fix it. We've got to take care of it. I'm uncomfortable with your brokenness. And so let me do something to just cover over it. Why are we we so uncomfortable when someone's sick, when someone fails? When in reality, what we're called to do is to restore, to walk with them, to develop them, and to forbear with them. Proverbs 17, verse 22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Oh, so it makes it sound like if someone's broken, you need to be cheerful. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. That's not what that verse means at all. It's saying that there are times that we need to come along one another and say, I believe in better. That that cheerful heart says, I know there's, God's got something better for you out there. I know it hurts right now. But our cheerful heart is about pointing them to the truth of something better and greater than what they're living and what they're experiencing. This being willing that to walk with them, to lovingly walk alongside them. My friends, brokenness is not a problem to be fixed. Brokenness is an opportunity for us to join Christ in restoration. That's the way it could be. Number three, our disagreement means separation or our disagreement is an opportunity to grow. Proverbs 17, verse 14 says, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. And chapter 17, verse 9 says, whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. When people are different, do we separate from them or do we engage more deeply? You know, in our culture, we separate. Your opinion's different than mine, then you're on that side and I'm on this side. And you stay away. We separate over our values. We separate over our opinions. What we want is people who look like us. And talk like us. And think like us. And are like us. And if you're different. You're my opponent. And I demonize you. For your difference. But the Bible. Calls us to this depth and richness of relationship. Now, when I talk about biblical community, I am not talking about a group of Christians who are in the same room together. That's not community. Nor am I talking about a group of Christians who happen to all join the same group. That's not community either. Community is this intentional commitment to do life together to walk with each other in the ups and the downs, to say we will look at God's word and we'll talk about applying it to our lives and we'll pray with and for each other. And it's harder and messier than just a shallow, easy commitment. It's not easy to be in community with someone whose political views are different than yours. It is not easy... To be in community with someone whose values are different than yours. But the Bible calls us to this depth, to to this sense of loving each other despite our differences. To a depth that's over and above all the rest. Do Do you think that that could happen in today's world? In the culture we live in, could we really do that? Let me tell you about my friend Mike. Mike is a pastor of a church. We've been friends for many, many, many years. And by all of today's kind of cultural standards, Mike is incredibly successful. He's a pastor of a very large church. His church has grown. His church has made impact in their community. His church has made impact around the world. He's someone that I really admire and look up to. And I was talking to Mike one day and he said, you know what, Barry? As I've done all this, I've looked at it and I've realized that all that I do, I'm surrounded by people who are like me. So he looked at himself and he said, I'm white, I'm rich, I'm conservative. And he chose to purposely pursue relationship, community with someone who was not He found another pastor, a man of color from a lower socioeconomic bracket and who was much more liberal in his views. And they have struck up a friendship and Mike said to me, Barry, it has changed who I am. It's changed the way I pastor. It's changed the way that I read scripture. It's changed the way I live my life because of the depth of that relationship instead of demonizing someone who was so different. You see, the snapshot of the way it is is to look out for number one, to dismiss you if you're broken, and to separate from you if your opinion or values are different than mine. That's the way it often is. But the way it could be is to honor one another. Is to say, I'll walk with you in your brokenness. And I value you and love you as my brother, my sister in Christ, even if we disagree. The way it is. The way it could be. Let me show you one more snapshot. On this table there are two containers. Both of the containers are identical. Both of the containers have round objects in them and they represent two really kind of different kinds of community. A biblical community and a non-biblical community. Christian, not. The round objects in here are living. Go with me, they were living, I understand that. Living, dead, inanimate. Created by God created by humans connected to each other individual and separate from one another but if you look at them they're different colors and stuff but for the most part those communities are the same right And that's fine as long as everything in life stays just like that. But how many of you, I want you to raise your hand, please, if you have a perfect life. How many of you, everything always goes the way you want it to. How many of you can say, everything works out, my life is beautiful, everything is like, I want it, anyone? Yeah, that's kind of what I thought because life has this habit of throwing curveballs and being difficult. And sometimes they're small and sometimes they're great big. They impact us. And when life comes in and turns us upside down, the Christian community stays together. But when life comes in and turns things upside down... If you're not in Christian community, what a mess. What an absolute mess life is. So let's talk about, let's try to be practical about how we build community. Now I know a number of you are part of a community and I celebrate that. And my challenge to you this morning is to go deeper. Some of you are not part of a community And my challenge to you this morning is to prayerfully consider that next step. What might be the thing to do in order to come and be part of a community. So two things. Number one, it's a mindset. It's what we think about and what we value. And more than what we think about and value, it's how we think about it. And how we value it. It's holding that picture of what could be. We're in this together. I walk with you in your brokenness and I love you as my brother or sister in Christ even when we disagree. It's holding that picture out and saying, this is what I want. This is what I want to be a part of. This is what I call us to. It's a mindset that remembers always the cross of Christ. At the cross of Christ, our sins are forgiven and we're restored to the way God intended us. And it's that truth, it is that solid truth that is the vine that holds us together in community. So it's a mindset. It's also a purposeful and intentional action. I know that you've heard most likely that here at Peachtree, our mission statement is joining Christ daily in the restoration of all things. And it's not just a, a, a statement. It's something we really believe. It's something we really are passionate about. And we want to see happen. And so a three-part strategy has been purposely developed. And it starts with all of us beholding in worship. And the next step is to belong to a community and the third step is to become on a journey. So we build around that. We purposely plan and program with the intention that all of us will behold in worship and then belong to a community and then eventually to become on a journey. That's my role here. That's, that's part of the reason I was hired is to focus on the belong to a community, to look at the communities that we have and to help them strengthen And to to grow. But also to create new communities. Where people can come. And love and be loved. And serve and be served. My calling here. Is to engage with you. In community that is transformative. Community that changes our lives. And goes out. And changes our community. And our world. To engage with you. As we join Christ daily in the restoration of all things. Will you be a part of that kind of community? Will you come along and and join with me in that kind of community? I know my slogan. Be a grape, not a marble. I think it works. So stepping one step further and getting as practical as we can. This August starting on August 11, and August 11, 1825, and September 1. For four Sundays, we're going to gather in the fellowship hall. I invite you to join me, and we're going to study God's word and what it teaches about community. We're going to dig deep. We're going to dig deep, and we're going to talk together. We're going to talk with each other. So I invite you to come with me, and we'll look at what community is and what community is, and then talk about ways that we can live that out. And then in the fall, September, October, we will be very purposeful and intentional in inviting you to take that step to belong. The campaign is called A Place to Belong. We'll be holding out the different communities we have and inviting you to take a purposeful next step in joining one. I started off this morning saying, I don't need you. But it's a lie. It's an absolute lie. I do need you. And she needs her. And she needs him. And he needs her. And he needs him. And we need you. And you need us. Because if we're going to do this thing right if we're going to really go out with the intent of joining Christ in restoration and we want to do it well and we want to do it in a way that honors God, we want to do it in a way that changes us and changes our community and changes our world. If we really want to join Christ in restoration, we're going to need each other. So I want to restate And let me be perfectly clear. I need you. Will you pray with me? God, I humbly come to you and I thank you and I praise you for the gift of community. I know, God, in my life, there have been times of brokenness and times of celebration, but you've surrounded me with community that has truly made a difference. And I pray, Lord God, that you help us to grow that and develop that in purposeful and intentional ways here at Peachtree. Help us to engage in community that transforms our lives. Help us engage in community that transforms our community. Most of all, God, I pray that you will help us to honor you, to bring glory to your name as we seek to live this out. In your name and for your sake. Amen.